You're listening to the Potato Candy Network. Hello and welcome to Blank Scenario, the show where we can with, with a scenario blank and fast. I am Marie, a.k.a. Queen in Yellow. I am Casey, a.k.a. The Grumpy Elf. I am Emily, a.k.a. Darkling. I am Sir Isaac, Sir Sasquatch. And we are all awake. So, for this episode, first of all, welcome to 2021! We made it! We survived! (laughs) So, to start off the new year with a bang, we are doing a lightning round. So... Normally, we come up with a scenario and then give our own spin on what we come up with the bare bones. This time, we are going to come up with several scenarios. The person who is up will present their inspiration. We will come up with five points for that scenario and then move on to the next one and see how many we can get through. Yay. We'll see how dumb they end up being by the end of this. So I'll go ahead and start us off. This is a news article from well back at the beginning of the year, because that's when this first became a thing. Man dresses as Grim Reaper to warn Florida beachgoers about coronavirus. (laughs) My first thought with this is just a Grim Reaper on a beach telling people there's a disease. And in the D&D setting, I want to know why the Grim Reaper is on the beach. So I'm going to lock that into the first point. Grim Reaper is on a beach warning people about something. Okay, so I immediately think that he needs to be on vacation. That gives him good motivation to be on the beach. So I guess that's our what? So it's a cover? Yes, yes. He's pretending to warn people so he can justify vacation. He needs time off too. (laughs) I would like to make an adjustment to this to give a little bit more as to what. It's not just a Grim Reaper, but what does a Grim Reaper look like? A bone devil. So this is a bone devil hanging out on a beach telling people to leave because apparently he's on vacation from something. I so mean, I what guess might that be? Um, devils are from... No, this demons are Nine Hells, aren't they? I believe so. Yeah, so he's not the Nine Hells. I mean, he could be on vacation from the Nine Hells, technically. They're fighting over it still. Question, does it have to be something present? What if he just doesn't want to look at people and see that they're due to die in like a week or whatever? And he's just like, I don't want to deal with work. Get off the beach so I can have it all to myself. And then he just goes out and says, hey, there's a virus coming. You're going to die. Everybody's going to flee off the beach. And next thing you know, he has a scenic view all to himself. Hey. I want to lock in on your point with that. He planned a vacation when it was supposed to be empty. He got there and it wasn't. So he's trying to warn people away now. Mm-hmm. So this is the equivalent of spring break, basically. That he got to the beach of spring break and he realized, oh, dang it, there are people here. <laughs> so then how does that takes care of the win? How does the party get involved in this? So we have a bone devil that's hanging out on the beach that's on vacation. And I would also like to add to it, even if we don't lock it in based off of what she said, he is the bringer of said virus, (laughs) whether or not it's a real thing or the Mm -hmm. death plague, whatever. So how does the party get involved? Is the fact they need him gone. So the city council comes up and says, hey, there's a nuisance on a beach. He technically hasn't done anything yet, but we need him to leave. Exactly. I was just about to say it's Jaws. They want him gone because he's disrupting the beauty of the beach. (laughs) Jaws Bone. That's the name of that one right there. Rattle and Bone. So we got a fifth point when we'll lock in. So any other special details for this one we need? Because I feel like there does need to be something at the outcome because... At a certain point, the party's going to have to encounter him. I feel like if we want a fifth point that makes it unique, we're already making this dumb enough. I would love to include a Devil Went Down to Georgia uh, nod in this and have it be some kind of competition that is not 
based around combat that gets him off of the beach. <laughs> he makes a deal with them. If they can beat him in some kind of like beach volleyball tournament, he'll leave. Sure. Ooh, that'd be good. <laughs> if you've got a bard in your party, it's easy to do the actual musical violin mm-hmm. show off. So it's Ains Al gone. If not, then it'll just else. be a bunch of athletic checks. Keep it simple, guys. Yes. Boat and Devil went down to Georgia looking for a whatever. Vacation, but he didn't find them. Well, that is our first scenario then. On to next. So my one that I have is just a job title, and it seemed interesting to me. Orchaeologist. It is a person who studies the orc life. And I think what I originally had in my mind was something like a professor or some kind of studier that was trying to get into an orc tribe to study an orc tribe. And our team was supposed to be protecting him somehow. That was my starter idea. (laughs) Go. So team starts off with protecting slash hanging out with an archaeologist. Yes. So I feel like this needs to be, I feel like this would be really fun if this was a local tribe. So almost like the... I always want to say gypsy, and I know it's not the term, but like it's that group. So like they're really common, just you know, like they're outside the city, but you can't get into the into their group. So it's not this really far out of the way place. Like you're just going outside the city, but he can't go by himself because he's either scared or he needs people to help convince him to let them in. <laughs> That's so fair. I want to lock that in. So I have no idea what that re- reference was. To be honest, I'm kind of lost on this. So what? What the acting ex- troop? Explain to me real quick because I've never heard of this group before. It I, is a I'm, group of wandering people that live on the land. Gypsy is one of the terms that gets used for them, but they're just a group of people that live off the land. Typically, are con people, but not always. If you have ever Romani, watched... Romani, I think. Romani? Yeah, I want to say that's it. Okay. Um, Sherlock Holmes. The group oh. that they come across, that would be the Romani group. Okay, mm-hmm. so really ugly gypsies. <laughs> For orcs, yes, yes, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. And again, they're not super far from society; they're just on the fringes. So you have a archaeologist, archaeologist trying to get into this group to study them. Oh man, okay. I think my big question is with this, and has been with this: what is he trying to study about their life? If he is an archaeologist, he studied a lot. So what is it that he's trying to study to understand that is so dangerous for him? And part of me, I think, at the time was like. Coming into warriorhood competitions or battles or something of the like that he wants to observe and is almost being killed. I think I originally saw this as like the sand creatures from Star Wars. Tusken Raiders? Yeah. Cool. I think what could work is if they have a they have a custom that is specific to their tribes. That is warriors have to go off into the desert and do something to become a warrior and so he's trying to study that so he has to get into the group to follow one of the young orcs going through that ritual but he can't be spotted doing it so your party is there to help him stealth around to sneak around to be able to survive to watch this ritual or even better yet if i might get some color to that or he's been accepted as a tribe but not so much he can't be fully indoctrinated until he completes this task on his own but he's like (laughs) well it's super dangerous i'm not an orc so i'm gonna hire you to help me yeah he's cheating (laughs) He wants to make it through so he can get a good in, but with a little bit of assistance from you. Oh, okay. And he doesn't actually know what the task is. Exactly. He has no idea. Yeah. It could be something as simple as wooing a woman. So the question is for the GM. It's dangerous to those who have to do it. <laughs> no, no. It's dangerous for him because he's not an orc. That's fair. Anyways. Okay. How many more we got? Two. So what is this task he's actually doing? I think is probably the important thing. He who? For the GM. The archaeologist. Because this is probably a very nerdy guy. I'm thinking Daniel Jackson from Stargate. Ooh. So 
what is Carter and Jack going to do to keep him alive? <laughs> I mean, Daniel's capable. I just think it'd be interesting to have the main challenge. Everybody thinks it's to go off and face a fierce enemy that's greater than you. And it turns out, no, to become a warrior, but you must take a wife. So there's somebody up in the mountain, an orc tribe that's all females. And you have to go find one you can be worthy of. It's turning to seven brides for seven brothers. You have to go find a wife, reverse. bring her back. <laughs> it's a reverse seven brides for seven brothers. So you have to make it through the mountains. Adam to has to go girlfriend. into the mountain. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> seven orcs for an archaeologist. <laughs> So Ooh. he has to go through the mountains, find an orc tribe, convince one of them to become his betrothed and come back. Exactly. Beauty human here. <laughs> Coming to... My name is Grenda. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be great if this was an elf as well. <laughs> this poor elf is like, uh, okay. Is it worth it? would <laughs> be some weird looking half-orc kids. <laughs> and I think it would work too if it was betrothed, not necessarily a wife. So it's the idea that he has a betrothed in another tribe now. But they're officially married, so you're going to get invited back soon for a wedding celebration. That went in a different direction than I was thinking. <laughs> they're betrothed, so he can leave now. <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking you're going to get a wedding invite soon. Hey, you're asking for inspiration, and this is a lightning round. Yeah, okay. I like it. <laughs> I would run this. <laughs> any, any other specific things we need to throw at this one? Only thing I can think of would be like some sort of time crunch where it's like, oh, you're speed dating orcs, go. <laughs> but that's that's not exactly uh, it's not exactly a must. So let's let's add one last piece into this. Then that if this is going to be a romance thing and you must be betrothed, it is you are protecting the archaeologist and his or her fiance <laughs> as they go into this struggle. That now they discover that they must be betrothed. And now you have a rom-com on your hands <laughs> to be able to run. Oh, goodness. So the orc always has to protect his new orc bride de- back through the mountains. As he's also dealing with his non-orc fiance. Oh. Yeah. That's oh. what he was saying. <laughs> so maybe, so yeah. when he gets to the mountains, he doesn't know what the challenge is. Bingo. And all of a sudden, oh, this is awkward. He's made it through to the last part and the orc chieftain gives him like a totem of some sort and says bring this to the mountain they'll know what to do and you shall face your final challenge there after you present it he presents it and they're like a man has come to wed bring out the he's like bring out those more then you see these big yeah, so he's like orcs me, bring uh, what? Dead. <laughs> at that point he might be because the fiance might just kill him yeah that'd be a good one that'd be a really good one so i've always liked the story of the iron giant but what if you replace the giant with a golem or a goliath? So an iron golem? Uh, take out the iron, just just a goliath. Go with a goliath. They're I mean, giant, right? They're a sentient race, yes, but... Same yeah. thing. I mean, st- I think a warforge would probably be closer to what you're wanting. So, okay. Uh, Are you just wanting to have the iron giant show up in town? I want the iron giant to show up in a human village off of uh, whatever, water deep, waters deep or whichever. Yeah. Just just Iron Giant with a 5E skin on it. I mean, can, Warforge would work for that because they can be any size, technically. I want to combine this with The Day the Earth Stood Still. Ooh, yes. What movie is that? That is a movie about an alien that comes to Earth that has a giant robot with him as a protector. And a whole bunch of stuff happens. But the twist that they never got to in the film that they wanted to include in the original was that the robot is actually the human that you saw and the robot that you saw on screen was actually the alien itself so it was meant to be a 
twist on what you saw. So mm-hmm. taking the Iron Giant, sending the Iron Giant to the city saying, this city is going to be destroyed in however many days, and we are destroying it because we as a race have seen that you are not worthy of what you have and have destroyed it, so on and so forth. So the actual Iron Giant just sent to destroy rather than randomly wandering around. <laughs> Technically, the Iron Giant was sent to destroy. He was, was sent no? to destroy. Okay. He then had a big ding in his head and went around becoming Hogarth's surrogate <laughs> son. You have a giant warforge coming to town saying we're going to destroy you. And he has a goblin companion just wandering around with oh, him. Yeah. Oh, uh, what, what's <laughs> halfling, the... halfling companion. What's that? Oh, I an... love goblin better. What's that anime about the uh, god that's Brotherhood. going to destroy the earth and oh, or the oh, alien assassination, assassination classroom. classroom? Yes. Okay. So that's a good show. Assassination classroom with Iron Giant. The Warforged comes to town, and it's like you have X amount of time to save your town or your world or whatever have you. In the meantime, convince me otherwise, or become strong enough to defeat me, kind of thing. So like, a lawful good destroyer <laughs> of the world. So is he there to help them become better, and hopes that they can eventually... Is he actually going to blow up, or is he just there... Spoilers for the show. <laughs> yeah. Is he actually going to destroy them, or is he just there to give them incentive to become better? Like, I am here to bring you all these skills and knowledge, and you have a year to learn this, or also destroy you a year later. Congratulations, you learned everything, I'm gone. Let's do that one. Okay. So it's just a trick to get them to learn better. Yeah. It'd be really good for a party who's needing to just level up quick or just if there's like a MacGuffin you're needing them to earn in time in order to achieve whatever the next part of your big quest is, it'd work. I mean, even if this doesn't become a main quest, this could easily become a side quest with an NPC that sticks around to observe what you do. And that would be a long form. So by the time he leaves, yeah, you would be up a couple levels. So the question is for the party to interact with this, do they need to be in the town when he arrives and they just can't leave? Or do they need to arrive in town and he says, I will let you go, or you have to learn these things or else I'm going to kill you? What would be fantastic is if he shows up with a level one party and tells them that he was sent specifically for them because they haven't had time to make their name yet, to be known yet. And then the question becomes, why were you sent for us? What have we done? And then it's, well, it's not what you have done. It's what you're going to do. So you have your level one party of, we're going to go adventuring. He's like, hey, I'm here to teach what you need to learn. And you have a year to learn this or else I'm going to kill you. Because I know what you're going to do if you don't learn. Be a great way to introduce a minor prophecy into your campaign to start with. <laughs> Would This one's become more of a mechanic, I suppose. A good mechanic. I mean, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. you can have uh, scenarios based around a single mechanic, especially if it's mm-hmm. a campaign. I do think I want to say, um, what a lock and point, that if he's sent for the party, he follows the party. So if they leave the town, he, he arrives in the town before them. Oh. So he is constantly there every time they're like, we're going to go to the next town. We're going to outrun him. He shows up there first. Okay, but he never appears as the same guy. He's got maybe a birthmark or something in all of his different disguises that sets him apart. Well, if he's Warforged, he can actually change his appearance slightly. So that could work for that. Keyword, slightly. No, they can actually completely shift a lot of their appearance. <laughs> so if you want to make him very OP, you could say he's like a foot shorter now. Or he looks more like a dwarf than a halfling. Because mm. they're robots. Yep. Because they can adjust their form to fit what they need to. Cool. So yeah. So if you need to level up your party very quickly and you want to give them a teacher, there you go. This would actually be great for a new group to D&D. Mm. Because you have a guide of sorts that is not necessarily, I'm going to teach you the ways of the world's, 
hey, you know that skill you need to learn? Learn it. <laughs> Why? Because I'll kill you otherwise. It's learn a it. video game tutorial <laughs> yeah. in a character. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's just the only difference is you need to roll a d20 before you roll a d1. <laughs> otherwise, uh, yeah. Um, I'm content with that one. If you guys want to go to the next, I think that works. Moving on. All right, so my next one. I have a lot of death in mine, apparently. <laughs> I wonder why. A dark one. Um, Here we go. This is actually from 2008, so this is an older story. But a at a funeral in Peru, nine people died and dozens were made sick during the funeral meal. So at a funeral, afterwards during a meal, nine more people died. <laughs> you mean to tell me there was a death at the funeral? Mm-hmm. <gasps> My first thought is this is some kind of... That's the name of the movie. Almost um, clue. Not clue. I'm trying to think of scenarios where people have, like... Like, you're all brought to this mansion because someone has died. And it's like, whoever lives shall inherit all of my stuff. And people start killing each other off. Starting with the butler who knows about this and has been poisoning people. Well, that's a trope, but I never know where that trope comes from. It's I know, it's something. So I want to lock in a famous-ish person has died. And whoever lives gets their inheritance. Agatha's Christie's, and then there were none. Gotcha. It's a book Is there where inheritance, a- though? No, it's a that's- book where 11 get on the island and 11 die on the island. Yeah. But it you don't know who done it. Yeah, because really I, I know well the story, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things like everyone had a reason for being killed, mm-hmm. which makes you wonder then, is everyone, like, is he brought all these people together to be vindictive towards them? No, because everyone was guilty and everyone died. And yeah, that's the thing, though. So I'm dead. I'm going to make sure that you all die with me. It's a good, it's a good, <laughs> that's where the trope came from. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So then this is a whodunit story. So it's a mystery-based story is what you're saying for our characters. Do you want to put this on an island or do you want to put this in the middle of a city? Where do you want to put it? I really want to put this in a wizard tower and have the idea of being a famous wizard had died and whoever lives by like midnight or whatever time it is gets part of his inheritance, which is all the knowledge he's gained. Okay. I know we've done this character before, but I really want to throw in a Willy Wonka into this. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing actually. Yeah. Or, um, Or what other character do we have that's not Willy Wonka? Um, this is just going to incite all the rogues to backstab the paladins and the clerics and everybody and just disappear. It's going to encourage the party to kill Willy each other. Wonka. Honestly, I think the Willy Wonka type character works because, well, this is a funeral meal. Wonka wizard. I think this could also work in that he is dying and he knows he's going to die like by a stroke. Like he's going to die that night at some point. So he's brought all these people together and is trying to find his heir like we've done with Willy Wonka. But he is purposefully calling like nine people die during the meal. That only happens if there's poison, which means everyone's rolling constitution checks. So your party could die during that meal <laughs> if they weren't careful. You could do it sort of like a, like a jigsaw where it's there's, and we may have done this one before. I can't remember, but it's, I don't think so. it's where every task that they're going to come up against, there's two ways to do it. One is very obvious that it's a cutthroat situation. The other one is it, one of you has, each of you has a skill that you bring to the table Working in unison, all of you can survive, but it's not obvious. This would take more work than I think what we can really put in, even if we did this as a full-length blank scenario. But that would at least be a start as to what the motivation of this death in the family is. I think I can make that simple just with the direction of where to go. Escape rooms. Hmm, okay. Look up different escape rooms. Look up how or go experience some yourself, and you'll get some ideas that you can then tie into your game. The majority of escape rooms that we have now here in the States were inspired by some of the puzzles and experiences that went through Saw. I mean, that's Mm. basically what Mm -hmm. brought escape rooms into the mainstream. 
Yeah, I think the saw angle could work, though, because you have the idea that he has set up these things to kill people off. So the survival of the fittest. So if you survive, you are worthy of inheriting all of my knowledge. If you die, eh, you are a weak link. But mm. it's survival. So it's not just survival of the fittest. It's survival of the fittest. And what does the fittest mean? Yeah. Is that the kindest person? Is that the least selfish person? Is that the most greedy person? What is, it is a group of people even? Because yeah. your party could all survive or you could be killed off by the duo in the corner that's trying to take over anyway. Mm-hmm. See, this makes it darker than Willy Wonka, which is where I like. Mm-hmm. I prefer the... <laughs> it's where Would I you like. like to play a But game? it's also, yeah, it's also a darker approach to it than just let's throw Willy Wonka at it. And I think this works really well, especially if you approach it like a Tomb of Horrors. Be willing to be... Um, equal with the punishment that you dish out with this as as well as the reward that you dish out if a character does something dumb punish them for it just <laughs> yeah flat out yes. don't be don't try to be fair because in trying to be fair you will become unfair it's just the way escape rooms work you got it there's an answer and you got to work towards it i think one thing too that would make this really good is if you had not necessarily death as failure but you could lose constitution like the poison items your in, yeah, your NPCs just die off, but you are losing constitution points from the poison. You can have exhaustion. Exhaustion kicks in. Your dexterity strength can decrease. You can have wisdom and intelligence you reduced. Could lo- you could lose a limb. Yeah. You could... So you could have a lot of permanent damage that would slow you down and make it harder. So like you said with the saw angle, it's easy if y'all work together. But who's going to do that? So we've got a rich person that is inviting people to their place. Or I think it's better if you come across it abandoned. And then you <laughs> got to make your way through these quote unquote traps. And by the end of it, if you've made it to the end, then you have that inheritance. But I would keep the losing the items because more so than any other thing, that is debilitating oh, yeah. Your to players. Your sword that you just got or you took forever to attune to. People will <laughs> take, they'll cop stat drops. Like it's not fun, but they'll cop it. You take away their fancy sword. <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. Rust monsters mm-hmm. staring at Marie. No, no, magical rust monsters. Because oh, they, yeah, they don't eat non magical items. They only eat non magical items in this stat block. I don't lock. recall losing anything from them. Because you didn't attack them. Oh. Like a smart little rope. That's why you always stay at the back of the party. Moving See, on. That's <laughs> why you be on. the smart guy. That's what you do. <laughs> so, next. Oh, it's my turn. Yep. <laughs> going around the table remember yeah <laughs> i made it so easy <laughs> what you know okay I mean... um so this one's a fun one this one is based on a true story i do not remember the names of the people but there was a group that was taken as prisoners of war in a war camp and this prison was right nearby a mountain and while these prisoners were in this war camp they decided hey i want to climb that mountain and so they escaped only to climb the mountain (laughs) and then went back to the camp. They had been missing within the camp for around four weeks to be able to climb this thing. And he snuck out and snuck back in and was found in the shed that he escaped in to go do this. They didn't even really punish him for it because he came back and was honest. But what I thought of whenever I was listening to that story, which do go on if you want to Listen to it. That's the story. Just go to do, do do go on. And I think it's called like the something prison escape. Anyways, what I was thinking was it would be interesting if there was a prison 
that your characters are brought to not as prisoners, but to investigate what's going on there because the prisoners are acting strangely. They are disappearing and reappearing, and there is an assumption that there might be something nearby the prison that is causing them to act so strange that they maybe are escaping, but no escape groups are being found. Please do investigate and find out what's going on. You're just introducing a Hogan's Hero scenario. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just, of all the things to escape to go do, I'm sorry, I'm just <laughs> I'm just caught up on the story. Because my, my impulse would be go back to the last scenario. I would smite them dead as DM. And then, okay, here we go. But I, I think I would lock in some sort of measurable energy radiating from somewhere to impact this crew. Because... The reason I would do that mainly is because that's how I would hook Cthulhu or something <laughs> like that into it. I like the idea. I, I really want you to send me that story now because <laughs> it's bothering me. You can read the book. It is called No Picnic on Mount Kenya. Just why? It is an Italian group that escaped. Three Italian POWs. They escaped because of the tedium of the work <laughs> camp to begin with. They broke out, came back. And were there for, I think, four days before anyone realized that they had come back. And they were given as a reward for their exploit 28 days in solitary confinement, which was commuted to seven days in acknowledgement of their quote-unquote sporting effort. Wow. So I think what I would like to lock in is there is whatever is on this mountain is trying to get people to it. It's a hag. So, and it's not, <laughs> yeah. And it's not necessarily like a manic energy, like I have to get, but it's like, I want to go up that mountain. Why? I don't know. Why not just make and it a mind so flare? They're just planning to go up the mountain. So things are disappearing. People are acting strange, but they can't figure out why we all of a sudden are short a hundred feet of rope because we just got rope and where is this? None of the prisoners have it. So where is it at? So you're investigating the disappearances. I know what it is. It is a Draco Lich that <laughs> is building a horde and he is hoarding slaves. So they're taking things out of that camp, works. taking it up to the Lich, the Draco Lich, and then coming back to get more things. The camp is an easy <laughs> way to hide that that is technically that Draco Lich's horde. So it's never the same person going up. It's always a different person. Potentially, yeah. Or at least you have different groups going up. Better than my idea. I was just thinking Mind Flare, who's also building, you know, yeah. something Maybe for the high Mind Flare would just pay off the guards probably, though. Yeah, but I mean... We just brains. haven't done anything with dragons yet. So yeah. I think that works, though, because, again, it can be just this magnetism of everyone wants to go up there, but they don't know why. And once they're up there, they're like, oh, cool, I'll bring more stuff later, which means your party has to not only investigate what's going on, but fight the urge to go up themselves. And if they do go up there, they have to climb a mountain. That would be interesting, because once they go up there, there's not exactly a consequence apart from the fact that they leave something. So it's like, I'm taking control of your character, but it's OK. <laughs> Where'd my sword go? Don't I just got that. Yeah. <laughs> Wisdom saving throws. You give the dragon everything you own. Wait, no. And dragon? then walk back what down dragon? the mountain. Wisdom saving throws. <laughs> either you recognize that it's a paradise at the top, or you recognize that it's an illusion cast upon you oh. from a Draco Lich. <laughs> How do you break the illusion? Just imagining the um, scene from the shadow when he goes up to the Himalayan mountains, and it's this really nice, sunny place in the middle of snowy mountains. <laughs> Like, just imagine seeing this in a dark cave. Shangri-La in Captain whatever and the World of Tomorrow. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. All right, well, uh, does that wrap up everything for you, Casey? I mean, that's the best that I had. That was the majority of the scenario right there. I just like that as an idea of people keep escaping and you're called in to find out why. And we finally have a dragon. 
So one that I've always wanted to run, and I just don't exactly know how, is the, I guess, stereotypical, oh, you guys uh, are yourselves sitting around a table, all of a sudden a portal opens up and you're all sucked in, and boom, you are now uh, D&D characters. You now need to make yourself as a D&D character, and we're going to run through this campaign. Negative two strength. <laughs> so I, w- I would keep that part simple. You're teleported in, there's a task you have to do, and then you'll be teleported back. But at that point, it's just... You make yourself as a D&D character. Go. I think the difficulty with this is to making it a blank scenario is that you as a DM have to tailor this to the people that you know. So if we were to make this for us, it would be looking around this table and going, what are some of the things that we would want? What are some of the things that we would be afraid of? What are some of the things that we would uh, like to fight? What are obstacles that we would encounter? And for us, that may be all fine and dandy, but for a different DM, that's completely different for them. So I think in approaching this, it might be wise, instead of building a scenario, what might be the things that they need to know for their players to create this fantasy world for them? Because it's going to be a choose-your-own-adventure. Depending upon the DM, it's going to change. I have a thought, and I'm probably referencing a movie wrong. Rather than going into the D&D world, because it is tricky... You still have the D&D character sheet and you have magic, but it's like Monster Squad where the monsters have come to our world. Hmm. So in our setting, you have to fight, you know, one of whatever the main monsters are. So you have a Mind Flayer and a Hag and a Lich who come into our world and you now have the abilities of a D&D character that you have to fight them. Or you have to figure out a way to send them back at least to the D&D realm. I would add to this, I don't remember what the name of the series is. I do not recommend it. But there is the series where the humans get teleported into the into the D&D game and they actually have their character sheets with them in a magical pouch oh, so they're able <laughs> so yeah. they are able to keep track of what they actually have and are able to know it so if you want to make this real meta if you have the characters moving into the D&D realm tell your players you have your character sheet with you so you know what you can do what might be fun is as a DM make their character sheets for them and throw random things onto that character sheet that makes sense to you that you know what they can do, but the characters don't. And so then the fun of that game is the characters figuring out, well, what abilities do I actually have? Mm -hmm. And then based upon what you throw at them, that can add to it. And I think what you were saying earlier about knowing your party to determine the who, what, when, where, why, that works still, I think, for a blank scenario because we've just told people how to determine the who, what, when, where, why per their party so it's what situations does your party enjoy the most what enemies does your party seem to enjoy the most and enjoying enemies just is an odd thing for me to say enjoy fighting enjoy yeah enjoy fighting the most so the the who what where when why who is who do you think your players are most interested in in combating whether that's a monster or whether that's an infamous villain from dmd or even you know put their boss <laughs> In as that the works. villain, uh, what it's they are transported to, uh, into a D and D world. <laughs> yeah. Feel free to do what we do in blank scenario all the time and be inspired by the real world. Their real, I mean, if it is the boss, let's just mm. run with that. <laughs> you have to fight your boss, and you're going to defeat the boss. And the boss's realm is their office. It's at the top of a tower, and it's a wizard's tower because it's the top of a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. What if you like your boss? I mean, you then can still your boss's have likable villains. This is their works. villain. Your boss has been overthrown. 
and your boss is going to help you fight the new boss. Okay, that works. So that they regain power. But that's the who, what, where, when, why. Be inspired by the real world. Know your players well enough. So this is not something you want to do with a brand new party. This is something you probably want to do with friends. But know them well enough to know what you can and cannot push them on. And then do what Sasquatch does all the time. Troll them Mm -hmm. as best as you can. I think the you mentioned, Casey, the abilities on their character sheet. If you can come up with an advance, I would definitely try and make them a lower level so you don't have to come up with 20 billion spells for a wizard. <laughs> I mean, level one. Yeah, no, just, no adventurer starts off above level one. Yeah, put them at level one and come up with some kind of homebrew ability that is based upon their real world skills. That is the dumbest thing possible, but could actually be useful if they figure it out and use it correctly. <laughs> so, Isaac, you can eat an entire pizza. Put that as one of your feats right now. I would recommend the only reason you put someone above level one is if they have any kind of military or specialty training background. And at that point, you could argue that they have done adventuring and they would be above level one. They're a fighter. Yeah. But other than that, the average human is either a level zero, which means it's all tens, or is potentially a level one in whatever it is that you think they're a level one in. And for that matter, if you're making it up for them, classes don't matter. Yeah, that's true. You could give them just stat blocks and abilities and a weapon and just say go. Yep. I think that has been at least a rough bare bones for make your friends suffer the zombie apocalypse in D&D. I think so. (laughs) Scenario. I'm more confident running it now, I'll say that. Moving on. For my next one, back in June, so there's Forrest Finn, was a millionaire who hid a treasure chest in the Rocky Mountains and left a bunch of clues as to how to find it. And the reason he did this was he wanted people to go into nature more. Now, back in June of 2020, someone found it. So it has officially been found. He's not released who it is and does not plan to, obviously. But it has been found. And so my thought is, we do a lot of treasure hunts in D&D and other RPGs. And it's really nice to go find this treasure. What if you're trying to find a person who found the treasure? So it's not so much that we need to go in the woods. It's we need to figure out who has the treasure and then get it from them. So that's when I'll lock in. You're hired not to find the treasure in the woods, but to find a treasure on the person who got it. If only... Only if at the end of this, the treasure is the friendships that we've now made. (laughs) This isn't one piece. No. No, the treasure is a um, a bunch of like rare plant artifacts that you should observe nature. And these things are worth a million dollars in a museum. That's the treasure they found? I don't know what it is. Uh I assume it's worth actual money because he is a millionaire. And otherwise it would be weird. But I imagine it would be great if someone found is like it's a bunch of like fossils and artifacts that are worth a lot of money yeah. to a museum it's the but classic, your party doesn't know that it's the classic ploy of i didn't hide my money i bought a bunch of stuff with my money that will only increase in value <laughs> while you're looking for something liquid it's like i have nothing here everything's here you just have to know where to find it <laughs> says the thrifter uh yeah but i actually do want to lock that in that the treasure is a bunch of things that are worth money if you know how to sell it but your party doesn't know that, nor do they know who has this treasure. So your only lead is a person who originally buried it in the first place. So can we make this, just because I love this dumb idea that came to my mind, can we make this a magical thrift shop? <laughs> the guy who found Sasquatch. it owns a thrift shop. What do you think it They thrift found shop. it in the back of a thrift shop. That was where they found the treasure, and it just hadn't <laughs> been sold. It was illusionary, illusionarily made to look like it was something else. So essentially, we're just pulling a page from Forbidden Kingdom. It was here when my father opened the store, waiting for the right phone to so return. So the guy said it's hidden. Mm-hmm. It's hidden somewhere, and it's been in his shop the entire time. It's hidden beyond the stars, and the name of the place is Beyond the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> 
People just assumed it's out in the woods around the building. I like that, actually. <laughs> Turns out he lost it and long since forgot about it. Someone just accidentally stumbled across and was like, you found it. Found what? This treasure. You, this, this, did you not know what this was? And then the next day, party comes in. Where is this treasure? Oh, someone took it out last week. See like, that? What? <laughs> that fits in with the original story that you were reading based off of. Because there was tons of people that supposedly were within feet Mm-hmm. of the treasure and didn't oh, yeah. see it because mm. people were apparently messaging him trying to get it. he's like he's like i've given you all the clues so once someone calls me and says they have it which they'll only know because there's a phone number with it and mm-hmm. only that phone number is there it's like no one else has this phone number so wow. it's confirmed someone has it and this leaves i'll add a who to this i guess the uh have an eccentric shop owner which this kind of just goes back to, I can do whatever I want. I'm eccentric. <laughs> but, I mean, there there's so many good examples of those out there. But uh, Shu from Avatar The Last Airbender, the classic black powder dealer from Crit Roll. Um, uh, Victor, I think. No. Yeah, Victor. Yeah. Goon from Titan AE. That's one of my favorite characters to do for a shopkeeper. That one I do not know. Uh, very obscure reference, but an epic one all the same. If your party is trying to find the treasure by finding the person who has it, I think it'd be really good to have him go, I will tell you who has it in riddle form. And he gives them a riddle. And they're like, so we have to solve this riddle to find the person who found the treasure because they've been hired to find this treasure, but they have to find the person. Please, let's make this based off of, of uh, Tomatoa from <laughs> Moana. I will tell you who it was in song. Are you trying to make me talk about myself? Because I'll do it in song. Which this basically would be the either intro or the conclusion to a quest somewhere. Yeah, I, I like this. Okay, so here's what makes it special. The reason it's been sitting in the back of that shop for so long is the only way to break the illusion is by touching it. When you touch it, you realize that it is the magnificent thing, but you can only know it by touching it. And as soon as you set it down, it drifts out of your mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be good. So you're walking around with this wooden stick and telling your party that this is the best thing since the history of ever. And your party is looking at you going, you have a stick <laughs> until you hand it to them. And then you go, wait, where's the, where's, why are you holding a stick? It's called a lance. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> I think that wraps that one up at least pretty well. All right. It's back to me. Okay. So my next one is actually based off of hardcore history and learning about the country of Japan and how Japan really got introduced back into the, I say back into, got introduced into the mainstream of the rest of the countries of the world because it stayed isolated for so long and it occurred to me that it would be really interesting to create a scenario where this portal opens up from another dimension or another whatever you want to call it there is a country that lives beyond that dimension and that country does not know the customs of this world but time moves very differently for that country so as your team enters into it this country goes from being very friendly the first time to very hostile to very just changing and altering and evolving to match the countries that are around it so that it becomes a predator rather than a prey. So okay. is time slower there or faster? That would be your choice as okay. a DM. I think it's different and I left it at that. My first thought is the um, Artemis Fowl and the demons because you have the demon realm that's separated and time moves slower, I think, for them. Mm-hmm. So it's been like a couple of decades when it's been 100 years for us kind of thing. Okay. I just liked the thought, because if I recall correctly from the show, 
when people were first introduced into Japan from other countries, Japan was very friendly and they got taken advantage of very quickly. And so they immediately went from being a very friendly to a very guarded group of people. You could even do it where the portal opens up in a different time in the history. So it's not necessarily even linear. Just at this point, it's 1785. At this point, it's 1825. At this point, it's 1507. Every day the portal reopens and it's at a different time period Mm -hmm. than it was the day before. Yeah, I think that works because then you can even jump backwards in time. So like, okay, so this has happened. Where is great emperor so-and-so? That's the prince who you talking about at that point you would have to introduce somebody who their role would be historian and the whole point is to keep the timeline of the country because they're like instead of having the what is that in star trek it's the the order that they follow i have no idea the directive you're talking the directive it's called the prime directive you don't get involved okay so there's a historian out there his he's literally chronologically following the story every time they pop in he goes in he documents everything. He comes back and he tells people, hey, this is where we're at. Shares the documentation. And they're super, co- they're super undercover and everything. So his whole idea is to document this. So like we never know when it's going to open. And then your party goes in and is like, oh, hey, what's this? And you could introduce chaos. So your party goes in. All of a sudden this other person says, no, don't. And you've touched something. And it's like you just ruined the timeline. Yeah. Now we have to go fix it. Yeah, next thing you know, you're a god with unlimited powers because they don't understand how clerics work because they don't have this type of medicine quite just yet. They haven't gotten that. So you heal somebody's injury. Maybe they got burned by fire and like, oh, what's your name? Bartimaeus. <laughs> Lord Bartimaeus. And then you leave the portal and you come back the next day and it's 100,000 years later. And like, Bartimaeus God Bartimaeus. God. <laughs> Yes. He has found a mortal life, and he's living a great life now. (laughs) I would be cautious about being able to go backwards in the timeline. Just from a DM standpoint, that would be hard to keep track of. Going forward, you could at least have pre-planned however many years you want ahead of whenever they show up and what you would want to have happen at each instance. But going backwards would be tough. Mainly because then if they go forward again, you got to rewrite all that. So that's just that's just a cautionary mm. thing. As I'm thinking through this, I would not agree. Okay. I think it depends upon the style of DM you are. If you're a DM that's all about the details, yes, this is difficult because yeah. details are difficult on the fly. But if you're an improv-based DM that is willing to run very details light, I think you could do whatever you wanted to with this. You could easily jump you know, from five to eight back to two and then up to 10 and then in between all of those have things where it's up to you what details you want to run with i don't think you have to make it quote unquote perfect Mm -hmm. i think if the characters are looking for that much detail they are looking for the wrong game if i I would amend with what i'm saying then if it's a serious campaign or one that you are serious about don't go backwards if this is just a nonsensical thing yeah because i mean the fail safe of altering a timeline is whatever you want yeah. at that point so a nonsensical one I, I you could go backwards in time i would say for the party for the reason to go into the portal rather than just they stumble across it because then beg, that begs the question why is this person not guarding it 24 7 to make sure no one just does that if they are a known historian going through the portal 
I would say they are sent through to find something specific that the historian has missed. Mm-hmm. And he needs a fresh set of eyes to figure it out. So they're like, so at this point, like he's tracked three or four days where this specific orb is mentioned, but he has no idea where. So he needs more people to go through who are capable, who understand they can't mess anything up. So they can still mess up something up, but they're looking for something within this. One thing I would add to this that might make it a whole lot simpler, we are always concerned in messing with time that we're going to completely destroy something in our timeline. I don't remember the name of the book, and I did not read it in completely, and it it was not that good of a book. But I think it was called Time Splash was the name. It dealt with time travel, and it was time travel in a way that you could go back into the past and you could completely destroy something in the past. But the past would heal itself, and in the past it healing itself... In our modern era, if we were where that time spot happened, we would basically feel a high as time refitted itself. Think of it like throwing a rock into a pond and there were the ripples that formed from it. If they threw the rock in the pond in the past, in the modern day, we would feel the ripple effect of it. And people would have like parties and raves and they would send people as far back into the past as they possibly could because the farther back the heavier the rock that you're throwing into the pond. So for this portal setup, if you're throwing them into the past and let them do whatever they want to do, don't destroy it. Don't say it's destroying the timeline, but maybe, just maybe, I'm just saying, this portal group is set up this way with the purpose effect of having this ripple effect. So you could have the party showing up, seeing the ripple effect occur, being told, oh, this is your fault. We're going to be destroyed. Go into the past and fix it. The next day they come back, they go into the past. They don't fix anything, mm-hmm. but they're creating that ripple effect that the group in the quote unquote modern time wants. All right. I think that about covers us for a lightning round scenarios. Woo. Mm-hmm. Everyone's so awake, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where am All I? All right. <laughs> uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this and... If nothing else, we continue to prove that anything can become a scenario if you're willing to come up with dumb ideas and run your friends through the game. You just gotta believe. (laughs) Imagination. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we will leave that there. Let us know if you get to run any of these scenarios or if you want us to build off of them, if there are any that you think would be really good for a full episode. Anyway, you can find us on all social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram now, I believe. Um, we don't have an Etsy for potato candy. I haven't no, made us But Noble yet. Designs on it. We will have merch at some point. You can also find us on Patreon. And happy 2021, everyone. Woo! Woo! We promise we'll make this year better because we can do that somehow. Right? Right? We have that power. Quantity over quality. Highs or lows? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you're enjoying the beginning of 2021 with us. And until the next episode. Take care, and we will see you next time. Sasquatch here. Thanks for listening. This is the part of the show when I solicit your monetary support and also school you in the importance of sharing and leaving a five-star review. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can also find us on Twitter at PotatoCandyNet, or you can go to PotatoCandyNetwork.com and follow the links to our other social accounts and our Patreon. We have much more content in the works as well as premium material for our Patreon in the near future, so be sure you give us a follow and subscribe. Hello! 
Bob Spuds here on the scene once again reporting for Potato Candy Network. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your podcasting app of choice. If you have a scenario prompt you want us to use, send it to us on social networking with Instagram and Facebook at Potato Candy Network. And if you really liked us, consider supporting us on Patreon for bonus content monthly, such as behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, inspirations, and future episode previews. Check out our brother show, Dreadful Tales, for some taut-tension-full, truly terrifying tales of terror. <laughs> Got that on the first try, you know. And finally, please leave us a review, as it helps your recommendations and helps others find the hard work we do here at Potato Candy Network. Oh, and friendly reminder, if someone asks you if you're a god, don't think of marshmallows. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy. <laughs>